2: Welcome everybody a wild and crazy Friday edition of Sports Daily always one of our favorite days of the week as we get you ready for a football weekend a couple of big college games on the slate of course the NFL all weekend long we got a big night of high school football tonight perhaps our biggest we'll bring in Matt Henderson executive producer of Ketchup Kansas, to talk about the high school slate. We'll make our picks with Paul Savage in the second hour. Lots to get to today. Rumors of a new KU football stadium floating out there as well. Tommy, here we go. Fridays are nuts, and it looks like this one's going to be just the
3: same. Yeah, it is. We've got a lot to get to on this show. Excited to be here. You know, I, Although, I do have to say, I was hoping that we could maybe just ignore what happened last night on Thursday Night Football, maybe not talk about it at all?
2: I did. I didn't watch one second of that game. Not one second. You're Uh, luckier
3: than most of us.
2: I had a second-grade music concert and then uh, then lucked into some tickets to an outdoor concert at Botanic after that, and I didn't turn it on for a second. I did hit a few player props, though. Uh, I hit on a couple of those, so that was nice to look into. But, boy, I'm glad that I didn't catch that one. My goodness. Yeah. We were talking yeah. yesterday about the first touchdown score bet on BetMGM. Well, I don't know if anybody had
3: none, but that had paid big. <laughs> um yeah, just absolutely abysmal. Like I feel like uh it, it's it's our duty to talk about it, but it's something yeah. that yeah, I I have no well, we, I, have I don't, no we don't interest have to spend in a ton
2: of time on it because there's a much more interesting KU story out there, but I yeah. do think as it Sits here. I mean, Broncos fans were leaving before overtime started. There is a fantastic picture at CBSSports.com right now of Russell Wilson under center and just the look on the fans' faces behind him. I mean, it is like a perfect picture, says a thousand words moment. And this is bad in Denver. And it's going to be bad for a long time is the possibility that exists and probably why there's an immediate level of frustration among Broncos fans right now. Uh, I mean, it's crazy to think, Tommy, that we know what's got Denver's two and three. Uh, they lose in overtime to the Colts at home. They just lost Javante Williams. The coaching looks like it was a mistake. But if it's Russell Wilson that's the mistake, they're in big trouble.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, Matt Ryan may have been bad for Indianapolis, but at least the Colts didn't give up the world to get him and bring no, they him into Indy. Right, exactly. And, you know, the Broncos gave up a ton to get Russell Wilson. They're 2-3. and three. Here's what's just mind-boggling to me. They're a terrible football team. It just it is what it is. I'm calling it like I see it. They are awful, but they could easily be four and one. They could easily be four and one. And it might be the worst football team ever to have started four and one. They're two and three, uh, which I see I think seems much more reasonable uh, for the way that this team is. But yeah, Wilson is bad. And every week I keep thinking, ah, he's due. He's got to break out of it. It's going to happen. It's going to work. And it hasn't. At all, and it's not working with Nathaniel Hackett, and they don't have a running game with Javante Williams out anymore, and they, they've lost, you know, some some uh, some offensive linemen due to injuries, and it's just, it's it's bad. It is bad in Denver right now, and I am embarrassed. For anybody who thought that the Broncos could win the AFC West this season, because it not only is that wrong, but it's laughable uh, well, that now, you know, anybody thought that. Well, but even at the time, even at the time, I think it was laughable that anybody thought that they would win the division this season.
2: Well, I, I don't think it was, la- and I didn't think that they would, but I don't think it was laughable. That was a team with a with a really established and good looking running game with to one win of the, the division. Lines. With one of the better lines in football, and and at the time it was the best defense in foot in the division, you know, going into the year before we saw the Chiefs rebuilt defense, but it had played better, so they had all the pieces except a quarterback, and they brought in Russell Wilson. Now the the reviews were mixed on Wilson and whether he was the same Russell Wilson or not. They were they were mixed in Seattle. It sounds like, but you know, it was all lined up for Denver, who had. You know, they took Sertan instead of Fields or any other quarterback, which people, you know, joked and mocked them for, but it looks like that was a good decision. They have this great defense, this great run game, and some really good receivers. You plan in a quarterback, and I get it. I, I mean, I didn't, again, I didn't pick it, but it's, I mean, you, you got the wrong coach and the wrong quarterback, it looks like. And that's a recipe for disaster in the NFL. Like, that's where you got to start. And they got them both wrong, it would appear and that means big trouble in denver big trouble in denver i don't know if this is salvageable um with all the injuries and things now it's it doesn't it sure doesn't look like it is i i just want to know I wish i had a crystal ball like are, is russell wilson done or not and that i don't know i think it's probably a little premature for that but it has not looked good through the first month and change hack it can't hack it and and they don't have a run game right now so Good luck trying to salvage this thing. But if it, you know, if they can't get, if they can't get Russell Wilson back to, you know, to Russell Wilson of old, they're not going to do anything anyway. It doesn't really matter what Hackett does. Like if he's not, because look, they've got Cortland Sutton and they've got Jerry Judy. They've got plenty of pass. Like they they should be good. He should be good. And it's not working. And how much of that is coaching and how much of that is quarterback is probably. Uh, the key question to the next three or four years for the Broncos organization. But I would be just devastated right now if
3: I was a Broncos fan. I mean, just crushed. Uh, Newsflash, Russell Wilson is not coming back. Uh, This is Russell Wilson that we're going to see Uh, Long term. And unfortunately, the Broncos are tied to him for a long time. We discussed it last week, which uh, which quarterbacks contract was the most concerning. And it's clearly got to be Russell Wilson at this point. Um, the, The problem, though, with Nathaniel Hackett, if I'm him, is that they you know, the Broncos can can cut bait with Nathaniel Hackett whenever they want. And, you know, and, and not that they're going to do it right this second, but he could very easily be a one-and-done head coach in this league, and it's not going to be that big of a deal for them to to make that change. They can't make a change with Russell Wilson. They gave up the farm to get him. They're tied to him. They're locked to him. And the future, that th- it's intertwined. Russell w- Wilson's future and the Broncos' future is intertwined. So that's a harder thing to look at long-term, And but, I, I mean – can he be effective long-term? I guess maybe, but he's yeah, not I mean, going to ever look, be the Russell I, Wilson of old. It's weird,
2: because is he hurt? Like, is his in, is it an injury? Because in 2020, Russ was, for 40 touchdowns, 13 picks, and 4,200 yards, right? Uh, in 2021, things went, you know, that's when things really started to look odd, Right? 3,100 yards passing, 25 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio is still good. His quarterback rating was still high and he completed a high percentage of his passes. But it looked like, and we know he was hurt, like, okay, something's going on there. But the years before that, right? Like, you know, 34, 35, 31, 40 touchdown passes, never throws a ton of picks, always hovering around or above 65%, even last year he was at that level but it, you know that deep threat that you know those things that made him dangerous you're like huh must be the injury well this year i mean it's not he's not the worst quarterback in football let's let's you know let's but his completion percentage is lower he's not stretching the field only four touchdown passes by far the worst he's looked as a pro so now it's that question of well, was last year not an outlier and was last year a real thing and Seattle there's always been interesting rumors about Russ in Seattle but even when those started he was still putting up numbers right like they thought maybe he lost a step that that rumor and that story goes back years but at the same time the numbers were always there until last year when he got hurt now they're clearly not there so i don't know i mean if it's an injury and if it's a you know an effect of that that's not something you come back from if it's Rust, maybe. If it's not a good fit with the coaching staff, I think absolutely is a possibility. But it's troubling when you've made him one of the highest-paid quarterbacks and you paid what you paid to go get him. You know, it's interesting. The The Rams did this with Stafford last year and won a Super Bowl. Stafford does not look good this year, though. You know, we, we see and we talked to just yesterday about the greatness and the age of Rodgers and Brady and all of these things. Not everybody ages. That's why those guys are so special, right? Like we're seeing other guys. We see it all the time. Nope. That's really hard to do. What is Russ 80, at 34 years old? I think Yeah, uh, about the same age as Stafford. They're kind of breaking down at the same time. I like get You know, the same, the same type of thing is happening there. So it's, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you Broncos fans, but without Javante <laughs> Williams and without a running game. I mean, the defense has looked good. I mean, I guess you still have that. But you're not getting a whole lot different production out of Russell Wilson than you were out of Teddy Bridgewater. And I know that is frustrating to hear, but it's just the truth.
3: Yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, too— Um, I think I think it's all of the above. I think it's everything you mentioned. I think it's rust. I think it's adjusting to, you know, a new location. It's a new coaching staff. They're not meshing well. I think Nathaniel Hackett has made really, really poor decisions as the head coach over the first few weeks. I mean, that's a given. Um, It's just it's all of the above. It's a perfect storm of a disaster for Denver right now. And even at two and three, like you have to think, all right, that there's there's no way that this is going to get turned around right now unless Russell Wilson pulls, you know, a rabbit out of his hat and he's able to just miracu- miraculously become the Russell Wilson of old, which I don't I don't see happening. On the other side, though, too, I think the Indianapolis Colts are incredibly disappointing. They got the win. They look terrible, too. Matt Ryan is awful. They have no running game with Jonathan Taylor right now being injured. Uh, and, and of course, Naheem Hines went out with a concussion last night, too. Um, they look pretty bad also. And with them winning, though, that gives Frank Reich another week as the head coach as the uh, of the Colts. And he's kind of been on the hot seat, too, the last couple of weeks. So, overall, this was just a, a poor display. Amazon paid more than $1 billion, by the way, for Thursday Night Football. Uh, and last night, they got 12 punts, 8 three-and-outs, 7 field goals, and no touchdowns. Just an absolutely dumpster fire of a game.
2: I'm not going to blame Amazon for that because if we looked at this game before the season started, this would look like a premier game, right? Like two, two quarterbacks in new places, you know, teams that feel like they were a quarterback away, right? I, I get all of that, but yeah, dud. Uh, Matt Ryan doesn't good. And why does, good. can I, I, do... can I just
3: ask really quick, why does Denver get all of these primetime games? Like, you know, of course, they were on Sunday Night Football, what, last week or two weeks ago. They're going to be on Monday Night Football next next week, all these primetime games. If this was a one o'clock game on a Sunday, nobody would even notice, and I think the the spotlight wouldn't be on them. But it's a standalone game that the entire country is watching, and this is what because we
2: everybody was buying into Russ. You got to remember too, like they were right there at the same, essentially the same win total and chance to win the division as the Chiefs, according to Vegas. So it's not just you know, and Vegas doesn't usually get that wrong, and and everybody has gotten this wrong, whether you thought it was going to work to a tremendous level or not. I mean, I don't think any of us could have pictured it going this poorly out of the gates. I mean, this has been just garbage. And Indianapolis is interesting because I think Indianapolis probably has a chance to still play themselves into a a level closer to what we expected. They've had a lot of line injuries. Their line's been bad. Their line almost is always good. If that gets better, if they get better on the line when they get Jonathan Taylor back very quickly... I I think there's plenty of time for Indianapolis to turn this around. Matt Ryan is not what Matt Ryan used to be, but Matt Ryan's not. I mean, he's under fire. We watched the chiefs game. I mean, how many clean pockets did he have Two. it felt Mm. like the entire game. So if they can get their line fixed, I do think Indianapolis has a decent chance to play themselves back into that division. Uh, There will be an opportunity for them. There ain't going to be an opportunity for Denver because the chiefs and the chargers aren't going to let them have an opportunity. Um, I mean, they're just not. The t- the Chiefs and the Chargers are not going to play down to that level for a long period of time. Denver's going to have to be a completely different team almost immediately to have any chance at the AFC West. It just seems like it's an impossibility. I don't think it's an, as much of an impossibility for Indy to get back to where they need to be. If they can protect Matt Ryan and just play better on the line, even despite whatever, that'll help Jonathan Taylor too. They'll be okay. Denver I, I I don't know how you can have optimism for Denver right now I, I just don't see it maybe we're off I don't know 869-1240 the number there we're going to talk Royals baseball uh as we come up and we got to get to this KU story with a new stadium a lot of rumors out right now that we're going to get a new KU football stadium there was rumors of a rumor and then it was it's either football or a new contract I mean a new stadium or a new contract for Leipold now it's it's beginning to look like we're We're leaning toward new stadium. Tommy's been on this. I've been uh, keeping up with it as well. So we'll get to that. But first, some Royals talk next with an insider as we uh, as we begin to piece together the rebuild there at Kauffman. We'll do that next on Sports Daily.
1: Okay, take it easy. We're going on the air. This is Sports Daily on KFH. All
2: right, welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you here on Sports Daily. We bring in Avery Osen, Royals insider, to chat about the rebuild now very clearly underway in Kansas City. Avery, welcome into Sports Daily.
4: Hey, thanks, Jacob. Thanks for letting me be on today.
2: Yeah, you bet. Uh, let's start right at the top. Manager is now an open position. Uh, any any interesting rumors, names, uh, thoughts on where the Royals may go in that direction? We've seen names of people inside the organization that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, but what are you hearing?
4: Well, I don't have any um, sources telling me any of this. This is just kind of off of my intuition. Um, but I think they will go outside of the organization. I think um, the president of baseball operations, J.J. Piccolo, is, is kind of making a statement that um, they're going to make a lot of change this offseason, and I don't think the change it, of what they need is within the organization. So my guess would be they'd be going outside. Um, I think the biggest question is, Maybe the age that they go with. Do they go with an older manager? they you know, I've heard some rumors of Mike Schilt, who used to, um, you know, be the manager of the Cardinals, um, which were, which is where Mike Matheny was, um, Joe Madden. Or will they go with someone a little younger um, that maybe used to be in the organization? I've seen names like Carlos Beltran um, as well. So it'll be really interesting to see. They've said numerous times they want someone that's data driven. Um, And so that would kind of lean that would make me think maybe someone a a little younger. Um, And by younger, I mean, in their probably their 50s. But that's probably where I would think they would go with this position.
3: Hey, Avery, when you look at the the priorities that the Royals have, and you know, it's it's been well documented where this organization stands right now and a lot of the struggles that they've had in developing young talent, especially pitching. So I know you mentioned data driven analytics has got to be a, a major priority, but in your opinion, what else do the Royals need to prioritize as they move forward?
4: Yeah, I, I like you said, Tommy, I think number one is the pitching. They got rid of Cal Aldred, which most the fan base had been wanting since early in the season, probably since April or May, I would say almost, because the starting pitchers of Jonathan Heasley, um, Daniel Lynch, Chris Bubic just haven't been taking those steps. Those three guys, they will need next year um, if they want to make any progress. Those three guys, starting pitchers, they pitch most of the year, can bind for 11 wins all season. So that is something they got to have their starting pitchers go longer in games. They can't rely so much on their bullpen. Um, because their bullpen also isn't um, the aces that they would like, um, a lot of people are comparing this movement with 2012, 13, 14, 15. If that's the case, I think the bullpen's got to take got to take a step um, because back in those days, as everyone remembers, you had Holland, you had Herrera, you had Davis. I don't see those names um, within the bullpen that is there now. They do have some good pieces. Scott Barlow's um, got really good potential. Josh Stahlma, Jose Quas. Uh, but they're going to have to add a piece or two to really make that bullpen um, where it needs to be for next season, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a quick fix. I, is there a quick fix, Avery, uh, to, to make the Royals competitive, like, next year? I mean, I think that's the elephant in the room is it's, this rebuild has gone for so long. And, boy, there's not really yet a light at the end of the tunnel.
4: Right. And I think back in, in 2014 and 2015, at that time, I was kind of just a fan of the Royals um, from afar. But I, I think a lot of people knew that winning the World Series was going to come at a cost. Um, and that cost is what they're going through right now. Of uh, they, they got rid of so many pieces that could be potential players right now names of like Sean Manaya um, with the Padres he would still be with the organization if they don't trade him out but that's the cost it takes for the World Series so to go back to your question I don't know if there is a quick fix for this team I think if you can I think it's going to have to be a little bit of patience for another year or two and by competitive I, I would hope they could maybe get to a 500 range next year I certainly don't think Um, The playoffs are where the Royals are going to be for next season, just because they're still young. A lot of these guys have um, only been playing in the majors for two or three months, and it's going to take a little longer than that for the Royals to get back to where they want to be.
3: Avery, this is uh, kind of a, a tough, a tough thing. I mean, overall, the, the rebuild, the overhaul is, is difficult, right? Um, Especially when you're looking at a new manager and um, Dayton Moore is no longer there as, as you know, president of baseball ops, but as far as the young hitters they have, the young talent they have that, that, you know, called up throughout the course of the season. We know Bobby Witt Jr. is a sure thing, but in your opinion, regardless of who the new manager ends up being, how committed do the Royals have to be to the young core of hitters that they've called up? Guys like Vinny Pascantino and Kyle Isbell and, you know, some of these other guys that have come up over the course of this season. How committed do you have to be to them in this rebuild?
4: I think you have to be 100% committed. Um, I know they have some guys like Ryan O'Hearn and Hunter Dozier who are still signed. Uh, I know Dozier signed for another two years, um, and his at-bats are probably going to get limited next year because they have to get these guys in the lineup. Um, Drew Waters, Michael Massey, Nate Eaton, these are all young guys. that the, the only way for them to get better is just getting them more at-bats and more reps. So, I think you have to be patient with them, And I think you got to give Vinny Pasquantino as many reps at first base as you can. I don't know who else would be there. That's kind of the future there. But I think just the reps um, is really what these young players need right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, the young core looks pretty good. Yeah. It's the pitching,
4: right? I mean, it's the, it's
2: mm-hmm. the pitching. And, and, you know, Singer's fine, Lynch maybe. Any of these other young guys going to be able to get their development turned around and be meaningful starters? Or, you know, how much of that's coming up and how much of that's going to have to be brought in from the outside now? Because we know they want to develop them different in the future, but there's a lot of guys that are in the present. And and can they be salvaged or, or what do you even do with all the draft capital that they've spent at that position over the last three or four years?
4: That's a, that's a great question. I, I, I think with like Jonathan Heasley, I see there could be some potential there. Um, Chris Bubich, man, potentially, but the thing with some of these guys is these guys were brought up during um, the COVID season. So they're into their second, third, some, some of them even their fourth years. Um, And by that time you're starting to make judgments on where these guys are going to be at. Um, And so certainly I would think um, by May or June next year, you're going to know whether these, whether it's clicking with these guys or if it's time to, to move on um, and get some other guys. There are some good pitchers in, in the minor league still. Um, one of note would definitely be Asa Lacey. Um, he's making his way up. And I, I, I think he reminds me a little bit of Brady Singer. And I think he could be that guy. Of course, it's he's not going to come up and that's going to be immediate. It's going to take some time for him. But I think one guy to look in the minor leagues would be Asa Lacey. But I think the Royals also need to look elsewhere and try to get a pitcher or two. Maybe not that dominant number one starter, but they got to get a solid number two because Brady Singer, towards the end of the year, was showing that number one starter potential. But man, you got to get a number two and a, and a solid number three if you want to string together wins. The Royals didn't have a, didn't have a five game winning streak this year, and that really yeah. comes down to your starting pitching. And if if they want to compete next year, that you in baseball, you've got to have. Some six, seven, eight-game winning streaks—at least a couple—during the season. If you're only winning three games and losing two, you're, I mean, or or worse, you're you're not gonna—the record's not gonna be very good at the end of the year.
3: Avery, one more question for you before we uh, let you go. Kind of circling back to uh, the the beginning question with the managerial search. Of course there 's new ownership now in Kansas City with John Sherman, and one thing that we 've always known about whether it was the Glass family or Dayton Moore running the show is that they were very, very loyal to their people, uh, whether it was players, coaching staff it, like they they wanted to hang on to their people for as long as possible. John Sherman has made it clear though that in his mind, the future of this organization from a location standpoint would be a downtown stadium, but he's got to be able to rally the fan base around that. So I would think that this managerial search is incredibly important to get the Royals back on track so they can start winning games to get the fan base back so then they can potentially move to downtown KC. So what are your thoughts on the importance overall from where John Sherman sets as far as getting this hire right?
4: Yeah, I think you're spot on, Tommy. I think this is an incredibly important hire um, for for this franchise, um, just because of those things you mentioned. And I think this would be a really attractive job for a lot of managers. Um, and some people might call me crazy for that, but there is a young, there's a nucleus here that really could be good um, and really could be some teams in the next few years that maybe are making that postseason run. I'm certainly not saying they're 2014, 15 world series caliber. They could be, but I'm not going to say that for sure. Um, and with that being said, I think, within maybe the new stadium timeline, maybe the Royals are playing postseason baseball, maybe, um, you know, in, in 26, 27, you get Bobby Witt and MJ Melendez and these guys that are, have a lot more experience up there. So I think it can't be understated how important this is. And I think the Royals, they're going to do their due diligence um, and get the right guy. But whenever they get the right guy, then you got to start looking at a pitching, a pitching coach. And that might be just as important, I think, as picking the right manager.
2: It's going to be an interesting process, and uh, and we'll get back on here again soon, Avery, and and go through it as we start to get some rumors. Uh, that stuff will start happening, I think, probably pretty soon. Sooner the better for the organization. Avery Oson, Royals Insider, we appreciate you joining us on Sports Daily. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, Jacob, Tommy. Love the show. Appreciate it. 869-1240. We'll bring... Maybe back in uh, later this fall or, or as that process begins to play itself out. I, be, I would bet that they move pretty quick. Uh, so we'll get some insight there as we roll along through that process. Tommy, let's take a break because we want to spend some time on these KU Stadium rumors. Uh, what are you hearing? What are we seeing out there publicly? We'll do that next. Jayhawk fans might finally get that new facility. We'll talk about it next on Sports Daily. Tommy, welcome back in, grooving through a Friday here on Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock alongside Tommy Castor, Chad Chambers producing for us. Glad you're with us on this Friday, boy. This is a, this is a fun weekend we've got, and we'll talk about this in the second hour. Wait, wait till you hear about this slate of high school football games. I mean, it's wild, such a good one. Uh, the Big Twelve weekend, Farmageddon, KU gets game day. Oklahoma State Tech is always a lot of fun. And we get the Chiefs on Monday Night Football against the Raiders, which is a great rivalry, especially lately if you're a Chiefs fan. But a lot of fun. We'll get to all that. Let's talk about KU here, Tommy, because the rumors started to come out yesterday. So you send me some things that something was expected to be announced with college game day. And then, of course, everybody thinks of two things, right? Either a new contract for Lance Leipold or the bigger issue... In Lawrence and the bigger thing is a new stadium. A new stadium is why Les Miles was hired, right? Like they they buzz to do this has been efforted for a while. That did not work out. Goff comes in, brings in Leipold, and oh, look what winning will do for you, right? So Now the rumor later yesterday and into this morning is that today we may see the plans for this new stadium. So that looks like the direction of the big news drop, Tommy. Uh, Lots of reporting out there that the new stadium is coming. I don't know what you're hearing on that, but it sounds like the stadium is the news and it will be coming today or at latest tomorrow.
3: Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Travis Goff was on a, a radio show yesterday where uh, he teased a major announcement for the the future of football at Kansas and the level of commitment that Kansas athletics w- would be making uh, to the football program. And so you have to think that, you know, this is Travis Goff uh, striking while the iron is hot uh, and also utilizing all of the added publicity with college game day coming to town this weekend, the five and zero start like, you know start doing something now. Like let, let's get something announced and, and and going. To your point, and you're absolutely correct. This is something that has been discussed and planned and worked on for a long time. Prior to Travis Goff even becoming athletic director, uh we're talking like the the Shea and Zinger days as athletic director at Kansas, where he wanted to spearhead a, a brand new stadium. And I believe Charlie Weiss or David Beatty was the coach back then. So this has been going on for quite a while. uh, But now you've got the momentum of a winning program, a winning coach, and all of this added attention onto the program to where, you know, you've got ESPN of all of all networks coming to town and you want to show it off in a big way and you want to say, hey, you might be able to look at what Memorial Stadium is right now, but we want to make it significantly better.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it it's the thing that will elevate you. It's the thing K-State has beautiful a beautiful facility sitting there. And and you know, I to be fair, I have not I've not viewed a game from the booth. It's just, you know, it's not what dr- catches your attention. Who just built one? And this is what I would love to see and I'm curious to see these plans. I think it's Northwestern. Have you seen yeah. the plans for Northwestern's new stadium? Yeah. Um you know, it's not the biggest stadium, and I think KU could probably go a little bigger than the one they built or are building, but it's very, you know, it almost looks like an NFL stadium in its design. Um, but it's it's a little bit smaller, but it's it's a beautiful facility. And man, if I was a recruit or a college kid and I saw something like that, I think it's called Ryan Field, if you want to look it up. That's pretty cool. Um, I and I I think that's the direction to go, right? Like you don't need to build some facility that's gonna, you know, host an SEC game where you need like a hundred thousand seats or whatever. No, build one that's, you know, forty thousand seats probably in that range that's that's just state of the art and beautiful and all of those things. Because what that will do for you, and I've heard rumors of, you know, World Cup connections and all but if you can build a facility like that that's state of the art that's you know, 40,000 people, maybe a little bit bigger. I don't know the exact number. Then you can get some other events coming in there. Then you can, you know, explore other opportunities and ideas. That, that's that's where I'd go with this thing.
3: Yeah, the, the Northwestern Stadium, I think, is going to seat 35,000. So I think if you're Kansas, you gotta go a little bit bigger than that. Like a little bit 40, bigger, 45. Yeah. I think I think the booth right now, I think a sellout is like 47, uh, somewhere around there. Um, so I think you'd want to stay probably in that same kind of range uh, as far as capacity is concerned. And you know what? The the facilities currently at Kansas are are old. They're not great. But, and I'm I'm biased, I'll admit it, but there is some charm to the location as a whole. You're right yeah. at the bottom of the hill. You know, you've got the big clock tower. Um, and so I feel like if there's a way, and I'd be really interested when these renderings drop uh, to be able to see if there's a way that the architecture firm uh, is able to incorporate some of the charm of the area, you know, and and one thing about, I want to go back to Kansas State for a second, and you're completely correct, their stadium is beautiful and it is state of the art. It's world-class. Uh, I love going to football games there because it's, it's just so nice, but I feel like it does lack a little charm. And so I would love to see some of that being kept, uh, at Kansas and, and being able to try to incorporate some of that into the design. We'll see if that ends up happening, but that would be, that would be my, uh, my hope with the project.
2: Well, the other great thing about K state, and you know arrowhead and everything you get tailgating literally right outside the front door i mean yeah. that's that's cool too and that's something you know i don't know those are the things that are going to matter for long term tradition building we're going to every home game type stuff right like make it really cool but make sure that you can get in and out of there that you have easy access to tailgating all of those things If they've got to move it off campus to accomplish that, okay. I mean, it's cooler if it doesn't, but there aren't very many places that can do this type of thing on campus anyway, right? Like you almost – moving it off is fine. I I think make sure it's a good experience before everything else. Make sure that people can get in and out of there. Make sure that people can have a good time when they go. Those And and for your players, you know, to bring players in – Man, you gotta make it. You gotta make it snazzy, right? Like you gotta incorporate some indoor practice facilities and and world class locker rooms and weight room. I mean, you're competing now at a level within the NIL world where you gotta you still gotta do those things that make you the best looking place and convince young people that your place is the best place for them to get the training that they need to reach the NFL, basically. Um, And those facilities and those fancy things also, again, increase your chances and your likelihood to bring in some other big-time events, a la the World Cup's coming to the region. Well, hey, look at this. We got all these great facilities. Come play some games right here with us, or at least practice here, you know, play an exhibition, whatever you want to do. Those are the kinds of things that matter, too, because the reality is it's going to be expensive, right? And they're probably going to ask for a little money from the state to do this, so... If you're gonna sure. do those things, you have to make it worth it for the state. This has to be more about more than just KU football, if, if yeah, you're and, gonna ask for money from the state.
3: Right. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, there there's not a chance in my mind that the University of Kansas builds a football stadium off campus. I just don't see that happening. You know, you've got far like in far western Lawrence, they've got Rock Chalk Park and they've got all, you know, that kind of that facility built out there, which is really, really nice but that would have been the opportunity back then if they were going to move it off campus to go, you know, to that part of the of the town. Um, I think that more than likely what we're going to see is, you know, a, a teardown of memorial stadium, a renovation potentially in phases wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. But the other thing that I think is really really important in this and it, I don't think it can be understated or underestimated is the importance of the timing of this with potentially working out a new contract with Lance Leipold. Because if I'm Travis Goff right now, uh, I want to give Lance Leipold as much input and as much buy-in to this process with a new stadium as absolutely possible. Like, look, we're going to negotiate a new deal for you, but also we want this stadium to be everything you could ever want it to be. So what do you need? What is going to make your program significantly <laughs> yeah. successful down the road? And so don't be surprised. And, and I'm not suggesting that there's going to be an announcement with a new contract for Leipold this weekend or anything, but don't be surprised if that's a major point in the negotiations between Travis Goff and Lance Leipold.
2: And Lance Leipold can say, you know what I think this stadium really needs a, a new $10 million contract for me. That's what really put it over <laughs> exactly. the edge. Right. right. Uh, right. a private bathroom. Like, I I don't know. Um,
3: (laughs) Hey, whatever he wants. Yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, this I'm, I'm kidding because doing this and committing to this now does make KU a more attractive option for Leipold to stay. I, I, I think absolutely that's a factor. And if they can work those things in tandem, obviously those conversations are happening. I, I hope that there is an, you know, obviously not in the public eye and not, to you know play, but I I hope that the conversations between Travis Goff and either Leipold or his agent are very open and honest, right? Both directions too. I hope that Leipold's team is able to say, look, you don't have to worry about this year right now, but yeah, we we've got interest in Wisconsin, right? Like we do. And then in the in, on the flip side, hang on a minute, give us some time. We're about to drop a new stadium, which is going to make this a much more attractive job, and we're working on this contract. So let's just stay. Let's just you know let's stay in communication. Keep everybody focused. I think that those things can happen. Quite frankly, um, I I will say this though: this new stadium is more important long term and should be prioritized over the Leipold deal. That sounds crazy, and it is a little bit crazy because. If you don't have this year, you don't have this stadium. However, if Leipold's going to leave, the likelihood of success after he does goes up a tremendous amount if you have great facilities. Because then another coach, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is another coach can have success with great facilities. But man, if you don't have the great facilities, here's where we've been treading the tires with KU football now for the last 15 years.
3: Well, yeah, and that's what makes Lance Leipold so special right now is that he's been able to have success without the facilities. He's been able to have the success without um, a, a, an overall uh, vibrant NIL strategy, and, and it's it's growing. It's better than it was before, uh, but still, there are programs you know in America that are head and shoulders above Kansas in the NIL game right now, and so I would imagine that that's a major priority too for Leipold. Like, hey, if I'm gonna stay then I want to make sure that we're doing everything we possibly can do, not only in facilities, but also in making sure that we are at the top of our game with NIL long-term. And so um, I, I, do, I don't disagree with you that ultimately a new stadium and brand-new facilities will make the job that much more appealing if Leipold were to leave and and be able to get a quality coach to come in. Um, and, and I don't think it's just that. I also think it's the, the response of the fan base that – you know, America has seen there's been kind of a, you know, the the microscope has opened up a little bit onto Kansas where, you know, spotlights on the Jayhawks. And I think that there are other potential coaches out there that if Leipold were to leave, that would look at the the fan base and look at the way that they've rallied around this team and would think, hey, you know, they're getting a new stadium. The fan base is clearly hungry. There can be success here. Uh, This would be an appealing place for me to go and coach. And so I do think that, yeah, long term, uh, having a a new stadium is it's got to be the number one priority. But I, I again, I go back to what I said before. I think that it's essential. And I think that Travis Goff is doing this, making this kind of go hand in hand with a new contract negotiation for Lance Leipold. And it would be amazing if, and I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be amazing if they could announce both either at the same time or within short order of one another. I think that would do, that would do wonders for the program as a whole.
2: I think there's a great chance that both things are being worried on, uh, uh, sorry, worked on at the same time, right? Like there's a really good chance that that's happening. Um, because they because they are intertwined and they are important to each other and if you're going to go ask people for a lot of money they want assurances right that their money's being well spent at least I would if I were in the position to donate to something like this because if I'm going to get behind and support and even if I'm even if I'm the state right like if I'm going to and I'm a taxpayer so okay I guess I do count like I don't want to build a new stadium if the team's going to suck quite frankly I mean it's pretty simple Right? I don't wanna I don't wanna make this type of investment if the team on that field isn't awesome. And in order to do that, you gotta get the other piece of it done. So yeah, I do think they go hand in hand. One piece of it you can control more than the other though, and that's building that stadium and getting it done. So I don't mind at all going there first. Because if Leipold wants to leave, you could offer him fifty million dollars and he may still go to Wisconsin. There's nothing you can do about that at that point. You can control this a little bit more. I get it. And we're excited. I hope we see it today. We might. We might see it today. Uh, But it'll be a lot of fun. All right. We'll come back. Hour number two here. We'll look ahead a little bit to the weekend. We've got picks coming up in the second hour. We've got high school football talk coming up in the second hour. Here we go. Get you ready for a football weekend. That's where we head next on Sports Daily.